Hello, you are listening to the Fantasy Among Bros Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Dunn, and today we have another very special episode. We got our first in-studio episode, so the audio might sound a little different, but the insights, the strategy, and the fun stories uh, still are great to hear. So just wanted to warn you ahead of time. Thanks again for joining. We have a great guest. Um, This guest is a two-time regular season champion, also a two-time scoring title. Uh, This is Jesse Perkinson. We're going to have a great chat, uh, just about everything, and uh, maybe talk about how we could help him get over the hump and win his first championship. Uh, I know he's a rising star in the fantasy world, and it's just a matter of time. So uh, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the show. Jesse, do you hear me? I can hear you. I'm here. Well, like I said in the intro, um, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, We had a great episode. Thank you guys for always listening, being such a loyal, uh, being such loyal patrons to the show. Appreciate it. Um, Today we've got a great guest. Uh, It's Jesse Perkinson. Um, I know Jesse quite well, but Jesse... For the listener, tell your tell your a little bit about yourself, what you do, and maybe a little about your fantasy sports yeah, so background. I'm I'm Jesse, uh, like you said. Uh, I've known Kyle for 15 years now. We started playing ball together. Uh, it's a little pop Warner football together, and you know, stayed buddies throughout. Played some high school football together, and uh, so I've been around football for you know pretty much my whole life since I was about six. So I really I really uh, enjoy the game, not just playing it now now watching it and even coaching it. I've uh, had some coaching in the past that I've done three or four years at the high school level. Um, I'm a teacher, so I'm a first grade teacher. Just got done with my first year, so you know an educator on both the field and in the classroom. Nice. And uh, I've been doing fantasy sports with the fantasy among bros for you know since it's since its inception in the beginning about eight years ago. Yeah, you've always been here. Mm-hmm. So you know, we t- Kyle talked a little bit, you know, about some regular season titles mm-hmm. that I've had and. Uh, yeah, I've I've won, but you know when it counts, it I haven't won, and it it shows on my uh, playoff record. I haven't made it in the last two years, so. But dude, what I love about you is you're you know you own it. You realize that the playoff is kind of in a struggle, and that's all right. You know, some of the best coaches never won a Super Bowl. Marty Schottenheimer, just the one I just could think of right off the bat. So don't beat yourself up too much about that. Um, well, awesome. So you said you coached. Coach a little ball, so how does that affect, you know, your fantasy strategy? Is well, it like your coaching strategy? Yeah, well, so, you know, with uh, with with coaching, you got to see what works, and you got to know what system you're working with. I mean, if you're in a run-heavy offense, you're not going to go out there and uh, try to draft a, a, a receiver mm-hmm. to, to get you points because he's going to be getting maybe two or three targets a game. So that really that really comes in the fantasy realm when you uh, are drafting players. You're not just looking at star names. You're looking at what kind of system are they in. Are they are they a running back that's getting you know, fifteen twenty touches whether through the air or on the ground? Are they getting goal line carries? Are the receivers getting targets? Are they you know big big play guys at, at the receiver position? Or they got two catches for one hundred twenty yards and two touchdowns? In other weeks they got one catch for nine yards. So you really got to look past just the names and the and the glitz and the glamour and really get into the, the you know the 
the coaching of it. The, yeah, definitely agree. You know, if I, you you know the the scheme friendly fantasy players who are just getting a lot of volume. Um, yeah, I'm def- I definitely agree. Um, so I want I want to know if you've heard about the expansion league um, that is being launched, kind of a spinoff league of this. Drew DeVoe has de- decided to uh, wants to head up a new league and you know, kind of a different experience. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the two contrasting leagues? Um, honestly, I'm excited. Um, I I think you know with two leagues and if you're participating participating in both leagues, you know you got a real chance to take more risks and you know try to get away from the you know, vanilla fantasy football of of one league. Mm-hmm. In one league, you know, you you watch every move and sometimes you're too scared to make that move that might just better your team because there's some risk in it. But with with two leagues, you know, you got twice the chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So you can take maybe some guys that you wouldn't take in other in other drafts that you can take in this one. And you know, I've heard I've heard that it's a, it's a lot different league than than one I've been playing in for the last eight years. So I can I can have a little little fun with it in this in this new startup league. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about you know if I have a couple guys that I'm not one hundred percent sure about, I could take you know two different risks. So chances are I get one of them right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe a little more aggression on the trade lines and um, you know maybe a little more flair. Um, yeah, there's quite a different, there's two different leagues, so I could imagine there being two different kinds of, you know, research, you know, you got to research a certain amount of two quarterback league research, and you got to look over here, rankings. have you, do you think it's going to be a challenge, you know, like your busy job, then trying to manage two different uh, games, because there's two sets of rules, so you have to approach it a little differently, is that going to be a time commitment issue for you uh it will be a little bit of a time crunch um but you know when you're doing your research uh you know for the upcoming fantasy football season you know you're looking at all avenues so you know any any person who's who's serious about winning some fantasy football games and playing some real fantasy football is is looking at all the avenues that they can Mm -hmm. take and uh you know doing mocks and things like that so it's just, if anything, it makes it a little easier, as I said earlier, with taking the risk. Hey, you like both of these guys. Well, let me take this guy in this draft, and let me take this guy in that draft and see see how they pan out. Maybe yeah. That, maybe that plays into your draft strategy for the next year. Oh, no doubt. That's a good – I didn't even think about that. And uh, just like you said, we're serious about our fantasy sports. So, um, you know, why not take it to the next level and really get uh, – take a dive because we really take this very seriously – it's really important mm-hmm. to us, so, uh, yeah. So, um, speaking of drafts, um, like I said, Jesse, there's been quite a few years, I didn't say this before, but uh, there's been quite a few years when you've gotten off to a slow start, and, you know, then you kind of assemble this dynamite team, but it was a little too late. Um, you know, is that any relation to your draft strategy, or is that just kind of well, how the ball this- bounced this so my draft strategy since the beginning has always been I go I go running backs one and two round and then and then I start going for for best talent and I try to I try to sort uh shore up the the running back position because that's the position that's going to be getting the most touches the most looks no matter what offense around the league you look at the running backs are getting at least 15 20 touches a game unless you're getting into committee mode and then you know those are the later round guys 
But first two rounds, you're always finding those running backs that, you know, can can get 20, 25 touches a game. And with, with touches and chances come uh, opportunity to score points. That's right. Um, receiver, though, receiver has always been a hit and miss for me. It's always been one of my weak points. Um, so I've I've just been a little shook up from, from drafting receivers. So maybe that's where my lack of uh, wanting to draft a receiver comes from. So you just want to kind of get a nice high ceiling for your week with two running backs you could really rely on from week in and week out instead of dealing with the receiver roller coaster. Yeah, receiver is just too hit and miss. Unless you got a top five guy that's getting those ten targets a game, you're you're almost always a a hit and miss in between the five to fifteen range. And and for in my opinion, a good a good uh, fantasy player, a good fantasy day is about ten to fifteen points. Okay. Oh right. Uh, so I know there's a there's the there's a jury out on when you should draft a quarterback, and you know I commend you for last year. You you got Lamar Jackson pretty late. So I want to say well it's late compared to what he's gonna be drafted this year, but mid mid round pick, maybe eight nine. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I think I think. What you see around... in Lamar? Well. What what kind of what I saw in Lamar is is kind of what people are you know seeing a lot of quarterbacks nowadays with you know your Jalen Hurts and your uh, your Tua's that the guys that can get out on the perimeter and can move those are the guys that in a pinch that you know the goal line they got they got a lot of chances to score they got they can throw it and they can they can run it in and so Lamar just just happened to have the you know epitome season of of what a running quarterback can give you. So I really lucked out on that one. I know he's not going to be there even close to those those later rounds, but he's someone that I could change my philosophy about mm. about drafting running backs early if he's sitting there in round two. Oh, really? So you wouldn't mind? Re- you really want him back? I would. I mean, for for me, it just I was looking at the statistics. He scored me on average twenty five points a game. Nice. You're not going to find another player in the second round that's going to score you twenty five points a game. Not even in the first round are you going to find someone that scores you twenty five a pop. So oh, definitely. So your if your floor is twenty five, man, it's that's a good good game, good week waiting to happen. So you're really high on Lamar. What about you know? There's been rumblings from his OC that they want to take his workload down a little bit. Always a running. Quarterback has the risk of um, getting hurt, or um, you know, things like that could happen. And uh, running quarterbacks seem to have a greater risk of that. So you are you, does that take take into account when you're thinking about Lamar? Or is no. it just the the bang is worth the buck? No, the bang is definitely worth the buck. If you look at if you you know talk about any any coach or any team wanting to you know ease a workload off a player, you know winning winning and losing game talks. So you know they went. If I believe thirteen and three, twelve and four last year, um, you know, running and just pounding the ball two hundred yards a game, and he was he was a major part of that. All of a sudden this year they eased the workload, and then they're 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 sitting at five hundred three and three, and the the rushing stats are way down, and they're gonna they're gonna look back at it, and mm-hmm. and their OC I believe is Greg Roman, and he is notorious for just pounding the rock day in day out so I can't really see him after all these years getting away from his own philosophy especially when you got a unique talent like like Lamar sitting back there yeah and you mentioned Greg Roman um Greg Roman was the coordinator offensive coordinator for the Niners back in the Kaepernick era so what do you think about Kaepernick do you think he's gonna be able to make another 
Uh, take another NFL snap, or think that ship has sailed? I, I personally think the ship has sailed just because it would seem at this point, just with what everything's going on. Now, let me put it out here first that I think he deserved to be on a, a team. He's definitely better than, I would say, at least you know, 10, 10 starters that are playing now. So he definitely deserves to be out there playing, but the fact of the matter is for four years he's been left out there. So all of a sudden all these, these the protests and everything begin for good reason, but they begin and then, and then now, you know, the NFL starts to backtrack, apologize, and, you know, three or four years too late, teams start giving him interviews, even though all this time they weren't. I, I just don't think it would, you know, it's something that, that would actually happen. It would just be more of a you know a publicity stunt for for teams to get in uh, you know good graces with the uh, African American uh, community. That's just my uh, take on it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I kind of think about uh, Michael Vick, and he went to prison for I don't know how long he was um, incarcerated for, but he came back after a few years and was pretty effective. Do you think there's any 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 shot? Yeah, the. The thing with uh with with Vic is he was he was sort of still in his prime when he uh when he went, you know, behind bars, whereas uh, you know, Kaepernick was a little bit on a downswing. There uh Harbaugh was, was on his way out and he was uh they were starting to have, you know, those other coaches that just not up to par. So he was starting to dwindle, and so it's easy to make the decision to get rid of a player when they're uh, both a, a distraction, some might say, and uh, you know, not not playing as well as as he had been. Hmm. You think he would be viewed as a distraction in today's climate? I don't think. I I think it or would a, as a rallying cry. Well, as I said, I think it's. I know. I think. I think it's a little too little, too late sort of deal. You you know, four years, four years later, it's 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 looking less like a he's got the talent to do it, and more like a you know we got to try to you know build some bridges that we burned earlier. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't really do him any good. The NFL said, "Oh yeah, we were wrong about that one. Mm-hmm. Too bad." But guess what else can you do? So, um. So about back to your uh, team management, etc. Um, you've been very active on the the trade lines. You're never afraid to to make a deal, which I appreciate. You know, some people like dealing, others don't. Um, I definitely fall in the same camp of you as, as being, uh, you know, more than willing to trade. Do you have a trade philosophy? Yeah, I like to. Uh, I like to try to and. I try to think of the future a little bit, you know, trade. Maybe I got some guys that are performing now and I'll trade them now and try to get some guys that as the season progresses, they might be someone that contributes more and more and puts me in a better position than the guy earlier. And, you know, it's kind of shown in my, in my recent seasons where I, I start off the season, maybe 0 and 4, 0 and 5 after a few trades, all of a sudden I'm, I'm wheeling off four or five winning streak, uh, winning streaks. And, uh, but sometimes it's too little too late. That that own four really can dig you a hole in, in a league that's as good as ours. Yeah, definitely. And uh, do you think maybe do you hold your guys a little too long and you, you're scrambling at week four or five? There's, there's, there's some guys that I just fall in love with and just no matter what, I'm, I'm holding on to them. Even if the, even if the pot is, is sweeter, I just will fall in love and hold on. And sometimes I hold on a little too long. And then there's some guys, you know, I I get rid of too many. I got a, a a small leash with them, a short leash. So I I trade them off, and then you know two three weeks later they're they're a, a top five performer, and I'm kicking myself right. 
kicking myself in the rear end. That's never a good feeling when you made a move and you see this guy balling out and it just kind of um, tears you up a little bit, mm-hmm. especially if you're having a rough week. Yeah. So, um, well, I appreciate you dealing. And um, what? So you said you fall in love. What would make you fall in love with a player? What is it? A special trait? Uh, is it measurables? Is it just how the team is playing? I get in players who are um, on good teams, bad teams. Well, it always it it. I mean, just like the NFL, you know, you get drafted in the first, second, third round. Your your leash is gonna be a lot longer than the than mm-hmm. the leashes of those later round guys. So usually, my first, second, third round picks will be someone I want to get. I want to give plenty of chances and opportunities. I'll make every every excuse to keep them on the roster, even if, you know, it's not doing me any good. Um, some some of those guys I'll, I'll hold on to to try to, you know, wait out, maybe get a good week, for, so raise their trade value. Um, and sometimes it'll just get worse, and then you have to settle. It's just like the stock market. But, but I, I do fall in love with those early round guys just because I know they got the talent. They, there's a reason they're in that early round, and maybe I can hold on to long enough that something clicks for them. You know, Saquon being a perfect example, you know, ab- absolute phenom. He was the number one overall pick last year by me. But, you know, it just, it just didn't show the, a rebuilding Giants team, and I fell in love with the player, and I, you know, didn't follow my my strategy of, of scheme and everything like that. And, and overall and it, it came back to bite me but it's one of those things as soon as I trade them off I'm seeing these 15 20 point games pop up where I could have used them and, and too little too late yeah yeah it's always just it's a gamble it always is um so speaking of your team it's a what's it, everyone wants to know I always get this question hey what is an Ichiban fool so so it's actually Japanese. The first half, it's uh, Ichiban. And Ichiban means number one, as in best or... Ichi you know, does? Ichi. Ichi is one. Ban is just a, a counter. So Ichiban is just... Ichiban fool means that's the number one fool. And uh, it started off as a joke um, when we were playing a little uh, NCAA. And, uh, you know, I've always been a team that's uh, changed my names from year to year. One of those guys that I, I remember Drew talking about that, uh, you know, it's always got the, the names that relate to players. You know, for example, a real good one is through the gory hole. That's, that was an absolute <laughs> classic of mine. Yeah. But I was changing from week to week, you know, season to season. So I wanted to find an identity, and I think I found one. I like it. Yeah, it has a nice ring to it. Yeah, it's fun to chant. Get the Ichiban, Ichiban, Ichiban. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so it's a good way to put people's uh, put smiles on people's faces. Nevertheless, um, and it's a it's an ode to to Japanese culture. And um, anyone knowing you knows that you're quite fascinated with uh, just about. Anything that has to do with Japan, is that always been, is that a, a recent development? Well, or what's the story behind I'm, that? Yes and no. I have been, uh, you know, I've been watching these things. They're they're called anime. It's just Jap- Japanese animation. So I've been watching that since I was little. You know, me and my brothers would watch them. I, even my dad would, would, would chime in for an episode or two. So it was always something we always did. And then, uh, you know, growing up, I did have Japanese family. I got an aunt and uncle that live in Japan. I got two half-Japanese mm-hmm. cousins. And now my my brother lives there with his wife and his his uh, you know, almost two year old son. So and I've I've visited many times. So what what started off as you know just sort of an interest, literally in the last three or four years has has sort of bloomed into you know a real a real love of mine. That's awesome. Um, how many times have you been to Japan? 
Uh, I've been three times, um, the last two summers and then uh, in March of 2017. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what's the What's the difference in like if you walk around an American city or a Japanese city? It, it's It's much different. You know, just the things you see. The you know. Uh, kind of the pride that they have in their area. Not that Americans don't have pride in their in their cities and things like that. I know they're pretty well. Americans pretty well known for having pride in in its country, but you know it's really on display. Uh, you know every every day and everywhere you go, um, in Japan and you know just how old it is. You know whereas America is maybe two hundred fifty years old, maybe you know four hundred years old. The people coming over, Japan's got thousands of years of of history and culture sitting there that you can just walk over and you oh, know, stand really? in the stand in the same place that people thousands of years ago standed at stood at. So it's really cool to see and you know the food is delicious. So that 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 just is the cherry on top, so to speak. Okay. And and um well there's so many questions, but what about their uh, public transportation, isn't it? Um what's man, that like? Man, it's it's amazing. For any anywhere you want to go, you can get you you just have to you get to a train station and you can go i mean this is no exaggeration you can go from the tip of japan tip of top north all the way to the south of japan from from just tr- uh, public transportation and trains and buses and things like that there's um you know trains that can get you anywhere and everywhere are they super fast there's there's are they regular there's fast so there's there's a bunch of different ones there's ones that'll stop at every stop that you know if you got if you live in a small area and you just got to go to the next station which i mean it might be a, a mile or so away which would be like a 30 40 minute walk you know it's just a 5 10 minute uh uh train ride and then you got ones that'll stop at only only the big cities only important spots so you can get somewhere a lot quicker than you would uh you know, riding one that stops everywhere. And then, you know, you got the famous bullet trains, the Shinkansens that, that can get you from, you know, Osaka to Tokyo, which is about 500 miles, gets you there in about three hours. So wow. that's pretty, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty dense population too. Mm-hmm. So you could really cover a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of traveling to Japan, say that, um, somehow, some way, yeah, I end up in, uh, a Japanese, airport and i need to learn a couple basic conversational mm-hmm. words or phrases do you have any uh, like a little japanese speaker starter kit so uh you know the classics absolute classes is uh arigato that's thank you arigato uh you know a real real uh important one is it's a uh, sumimasen sumimasen and that just means excuse me and that can you know you bump into someone oh sumimasen, sumimasen. you know you're trying to get past somebody oh sumimasen you know, these are words you hear, you know, day in, day out, you know, okay. just from natural speaking Japanese people that you hear every day. So those, those two, if you got arigato and you got sumimasen, you can, you can get by with, with just those two. And ichiban? Ichiban, uh, they don't use ichiban as much, but you can see some things, some signs that might say ichiban, letting you know that, you know, they got the best sushi, they got the best ramen, they got the best, you know, steaks there, so. So it's a pretty popular phrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like how you did that. You tied a fool and an English word mm-hmm. with ichi, which is a Spanish word, and you kind of made a, a logo, a theme, a team name that represents you. I think that's super, super cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, so is it, a, you know, are you going to Japan, Japan anytime soon? Or 
Well, you know, might be the sad news is that I was supposed to go in August, you know, with my wife and my older, my oldest brother to go visit my, my other older brother in August 4th to the 20th. But, uh, you know, with the way the world's going right now, might have to hold off on it and uh, postpone it maybe till later this year or even next summer. Yeah, that's a, that's a bummer. I know. It's a heck of an experience for you. I've always yeah. wanted to go. How, you know, do you know any ways to kind of finesse the system to get, you know, how do I, what's the best way to get to Japan and experience it, you know, if you're on a, on a reasonable budget? Well, yeah. So, you know, just where, where we're living now, our, our closest airport is SeaTac. Well, if you're trying to get a little cheaper tickets, you can actually, uh, you know, drive a little farther north into Canada at Vancouver and it it won't only uh, save you about an hour or two hours on you know on plane ride trip. It'll save you about two hundred bucks sometimes. Mm. I know the first time my brother and I went in two thousand seventeen, costed about eight hundred and sixty bucks to go, and we flew from SeaTac. Um, the second year me and my wife went, we flew out of Vancouver, and it was about you know six hundred and twenty dollars, two hundred and forty dollar difference. Um, shorter flight, the drive to Vancouver is not that much different. So even even looking at Portland, you know, so if you have multiple airports around, you know, check your different airports. Leaving on uh, on Sundays and getting back on Wednesdays is, is one thing that I've noticed might be a little bit cheaper. Um, and then just, you know, different times of the year. If you're trying to go during a popular time of the year where lots of things happen, you're just, you're not, I mean, just no way around it. You're not going to find a nice price. But okay. if you go on, you know, kind of an inconspicuous time, where you know everything's pretty lay low and you just want to walk around and experience you know wherever you're going that's when you're going to find the sweet deals yeah okay so maybe like february february for them february is really really cheap you know i've even seen tickets under six hundred dollars which for internationals is pretty you know unbeatable pretty Mm -hmm. unrivaled so yeah well that's good info um well sushi is my by far my favorite thing to eat you know we've had a lot of great Sushi outings at Trappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Trappers is actually an official sponsor of this podcast, so I want to just get in there now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Trappers has great sushi. But how does the sushi in America compare compared to the real stuff? Well, I mean, for one, it's it's way cheaper in Japan than it is in, mm-hmm. in in America. You know, you go to a sushi house in America, it's it's for a roll. You get you're looking fifteen dollars minimum. Where in Japan, you can get. You know, two little two little pieces of they're called the uh, nigiri. nigiri. They're the little pieces of um, sushi. And you can get them for about a dollar for two. So you're thinking that if you want to spend fifteen bucks, you can get thirty pieces of sushi in Japan. Whereas in America, you get about eight eight or nine. Okay, well, sweet. Well, I'm excited. I'm ready. Um, so transitioning back into fantasy. Probably not as exciting, but uh, just how the podcast goes. I want to play this new game called This or That. So I'm just going to give you, um, you know, two names and you um, kind of make your case for uh, which one you would prefer uh, this upcoming year. So uh, just standard redraft um, frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? This one is tough because Mahomes is in such a dangerous offense and he has such a cannon and, you know, he's still young. But I got I to gotta lean to, towards Lamar just because Lamar has more of that dual threat. 
that you know even if he if he has a bad passing day he can still get you those rushing yards which mean a lot more than passing yards and you can get those rushing touchdowns which mean a lot more than passing touchdowns so i got to give a slight edge to Lamar but you know you come you come away with either one you're you're sitting pretty okay um what round would you imagine picking if what round would you imagine picking any of those guys i i i can Especially in this newer league where you got more of an emphasis on quarterback, I could even see them, uh, you know, end of the first. Oh, wow. Um, in our standard league, I could even see a late second, you know, first pick of the third round, Lamar or Mahomes being taken off just because they're such a difference maker at that position. Okay. Well, what about here's a running back question? Uh, there's a lot of hype about Kenyon Drake, Drake being, uh, you know, starting the season with Arizona, a lot of new weapons in Arizona. Uh, better O line, so Kendrick and his uh, catching ability too, he's pretty impressive. Kenyon Drake or uh, good old Josh Jacobs, who you know is just gonna get a lot of touches, a lot of volume, and he's gonna find himself in the end zone quite a bit. So, um, Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs. So I'm gonna give a slight edge to uh, Kenyon Drake just because the points you touched on earlier. Uh, you know, Kenyon is is you know the lead guy. And he is in an offense that just added, um, you know, a whole bunch of weapons, and they got a much better O line. Kyler Murray's in his second year there. You know, you get D Hop on the outside. You're pulling a safety out of out of the box for Kenyon. Kenyon can go on the outside and catch some passes. So he's his his target, you know, chance and target opportunity is way up. Um, Josh Jacobs is is real good. You know, he's he's a solid. I uh, you know. I would say late, late half of the first round, early, early second round, running back, mm-hmm. and you know he is like you said, he's gonna get touches, he's gonna, he's gonna get the ball, and he showed he's, you know, fully capable of carrying the rock. Yeah. You know, just as a rookie, but I just don't think Oakland has its has its identity yet, whereas um, Arizona's a little closer to the identity. So I'm gonna give the edge to Kenyon. Okay. Well, what about uh, another running back question? Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley? Now this one is really tough, and this one I'm gonna go on a on a limb here, and I'm gonna say Todd Gurley. Okay. And the reason I say Todd Gurley is because I mean we're we're forgetting that you know just two years ago before this last season this man was you know offensive uh, you know MVPs that had you know a whole bunch of rushing touchdowns, a whole bunch of yards, uh, and he was just pretty much unstoppable. Um, I know he's in a different offense and it's gonna look a little different, but you know he's still a he's still a young twenty six, twenty five year old running back that, you know, he's he's gotten some rest and and things like that, and I I could really see him. You know, he's with Julio now. He's with Matt Ryan. He's with, uh, um, what's that other? Yeah, Ridley. Ridley. That's the other receiver that Atlanta has. So he's got weapons around him to take the looks off. And, you know, he's got a lot more capable quarterback in Matt Ryan than, you know, you got Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Le'Veon, I can say Le'Veon making a big a big jump back. I just don't think that the Jets are ready to take that next step and give and give uh, Le'Veon the, the talent around him that he needs to to be successful. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. If I was sitting there on the, on the the in the draft with those two guys, it would be tough. Um, how about this? Any of the rookie uh, receiver you, of your choice? It could be C.D. Lamb. could be Judy. could be, uh, who did? Ayuk. Ayuk. The Niners got Ayuk. Um, who, so who else got a receiver? Who's, is Judy on the Raiders, right? Judy, I thought, was on the, uh, no, Judy's oh, Broncos. on the Broncos. Oh, who's the? Uh, 
the other Alabama receiver? Uh, uh, Ruggs. Oh, yeah, Henry Ruggs. So any of those guys or Scary Terry McLaurin? I am going to take, and I, I usually am in favor. I love new. I love, you know, untouched and new. So I'm going to actually take a rookie receiver and go with Judy. And the reason I'm going to go with Judy is that, you know, in front of me I wrote down, you asked, you uh, had a question here. It says sleeper at each position. And for two of those positions, I wrote down some Bronco players and Drew Locke and Noah Fan. Wow. And I think Locke is going to take a huge step forward, you know, and they got some talent around them. They got some players that can ball. And I think Drew Locke's going to take that next step. And with uh, Cortland Sutton on one side and Judy uh, maybe on the inside, I think I think that offense could uh, you know really bust open. They got Philip Lindsay. They just got uh, who's that other running back they just got? Gordon. They got Melvin Gordon. Yep. So they got talent around him. Noah Fant, you know, near the end of the end of the year was really just starting to show his worth. So I think he's just gonna. I think they're just gonna build off where they were last year. And I really think the Denver Broncos are going to be a team that, you know, they got a very nasty, you know, pass rushing defense. So they got, they're going to get opportunities. Judy's going to get his shots. And Drew Locke's got a cannon, so he's going to be able to whip it around wherever it needs to go. So yeah. I'm going to take Judy over McLaurin. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, yeah, the Broncos are a trendy team. I know they've already been mentioned in the podcast. A lot of talent. So we're going to see uh, what Drew Locke is made of. So you mentioned sleepers. Um, besides, uh, those two Broncos, Fant and Judy, who else are you kind of keeping your eye on as we begin this preseason draft preparation process? So like I mentioned just a little bit, I do like, I like new, so I'm going to be taking a real look at these rookies. You know, there's a couple, there's the running back, uh, you know, that went to the Ravens, you know, we got T Higgins, there's tons of receivers that got drafted in the first round and the second round. Um, other sleepers, you know, I mentioned Drew Locke at quarterback. Um, and we talked about it earlier, and I wrote him down before I even saw your this or that question, is Todd Gurley. I, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. I think he's fully capable of it. Um, my receiver, and I, I talked a little bit about it last year, and, you know, it pains me to say this, but DK Metcalf. Ooh, you know, I think yeah. DK is in for a big year. I thought, I thought he was so rough and raw, and he still, you know, had those breakout games. And I just think... The, the more and more they get him the ball, the more more and more good things are going to happen. Unfortunately, I say that. And then, you know, tight end, Noah Fant. I like Noah to uh, be a late later mid or, uh, mid uh, to late round tight end pick that, you know, he's not in that upper echelon. He's not your, your George Kittles. He's not your Travis Kelsey. He's not your Zach Ertz. But he's going to be someone that you can you can rely on to get, you know, eight plus points a, a week. And from a tight end, that's a that's a big little definitely big little gap of points. Awesome. Um, you got any uh, candidates for regression stinkers? Any stinkers, stinkers in your uh, in your diapers? Well, and I I talked about him earlier, just being amazing. Lamar Jackson, you know, you it's hard to repeat, uh, you know, a season like that. It's just it's just uh, you know, not really uh, realistic. So I think he's gonna have a little bit of regression, you know. NFL coaches are smart. They're they're in the position they're in for a reason. So they're going to game plan. They're going to know what's coming. Is he still going to get his? Yes. Is it going to be as nice? No. But I think he's going to regress a little bit, but I still think he's going to be worth your pop at probably about almost 20 points a, a week. Okay. Awesome. Well, this has been a crazy year. Obviously, 2020 was crazy, but 2019 was pretty crazy. You uh, got your first teaching job. 
became a married man. Any um, I know we got one um, fiance in the league this year, Mr. Jacob Fallon. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Jacob, if you're listening. Uh, any advice um, on any front that you'd like to share? Well, for you know, for a married man, and I'm sure Jacob, who's been with Aubrey for you know quite a while, he knows now. You know, just you know, pick your battles. And, and the way that I mean that is, you know, if it's not that, if it's not too serious to you, you know, why fight about it? You know, if it's not, if it's not going to change, you know, the world around you, why fight about it? You know, you gotta be, you gotta be flexible. And uh, that goes for both sides, you know, both Jacob and Aubrey, you know, why, why fight when you can, you know, be, be loving and be together like you're, like you, uh, you married to be. Yeah. Um, that's on the relationship front. Um, you know, Teaching, I know we got a lot of teachers in this league. Um, you know, just love on your kids, okay. especially after this. You know, this big, uh, you know, COVID deal. Those kids, you know, are lacking attention. You know, and they're lacking some love, and they need it. So when they return to the to the classrooms next year, in every in any shape or form, they're going to be looking for love, and you're going to be the one to you know provide it for them. No, definitely. So, well, awesome stuff. Thank you again, Jay Perk, for having me. For coming on. Loved it. Uh, great insights, and uh, I'll have this up shortly. Well, there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. What a great conversation that was. Um, next week, we got another fantastic guest, Aaron Mead. Um, he was a member of the league. Uh, not last year or the year before, but uh, prior to that, and um, he's getting back into the league, so it's going to be exciting to hear um, his thoughts and ideas. And uh, so, hope you come back next week. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being a part of this, and uh, take it easy. <laughs>